Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Uh, here I am in Medellin, Colombia, and I'm actually uh, staying at our hostel called, um, um, you know, um, Hostel Colombia. And I wanted to just apologize in case the internet's a little bit um, flaky. Uh, life as a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect internet. So apologies if there's a little bit of audio hiccups. Uh, but we have the pleasure, the joy, and the gratefulness to interview the professional hobo, the professional hobo herself, Nora Dunn. Uh, so Nora, I wanted to uh, get to know you a little bit better if you want to share more about yourself. Thank you, Ricky. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to connect with you online. Uh, yes, I am the professional hobo, uh, and uh, the name came about uh, shortly after I sold everything I owned in Canada, uh, including a financial planning practice, and started traveling full time. And that was back in 2007. And as I was traveling along, and and uh, I would meet these, you know, I, I traveled across Canada first, and I used to be a Rotarian. And one of the ways that I I would attend Rotary meetings in in, uh, in other Canadian and and ultimately American and other countries as well cities. But of course, these are all business people. So what's the first question that a, a business person is going to ask you? They're going to say, "What do you do?" And of course, at this point in time, I didn't have a career. I didn't have any. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just traveling. So I. I decided to say that I was a professional hobo, and uh, and I said it to make fun of myself as much as uh, to try to come up with an answer to stick it to them as well, uh, and the name stuck. So here I am 10 years later, I'm still traveling the world full time, and uh, I specialize in uh, helping people uh, to travel full time in a financially sustainable way. Well, it's definitely a joy to have you on the show. Fellow Canadian, I'm actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada. Our guest today is actually from Toronto, so it's always great to talk to fellow traveling Canucks. And uh, we did something to you, uh, but we did it actually this uh, last year, in 2016. Uh, we sold everything in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and we uh, uh, headed out on the road, and we will only be traveling for seven months. And you're actually traveling for seven years. Um, so it's, uh, sorry, 10 years, uh, like oh, 10 years now. It's amazing uh, that you're traveling for 10 years continuously. Uh, so I want to hear, Nora, uh, tell us about some of the major countries and continents you visited. Well, my specialty is in uh, traveling slowly. I had to learn this the hard way over the first couple of years uh, of moving too quickly. Um, but what really attracted me to the whole idea of traveling the world full time was uh, having the luxury and the ability to learn what local life is like and uh, to live around the world as opposed to merely passing through it. So when I uh, go to a place, I like to stay there for months and in some cases even years. So my actual country count is probably not that uh, fantastic given the fact that I've been traveling for 10 years. Uh, I keep losing count, but I'm somewhere over 50 at this stage of the game. Uh, having spent, though, a fair amount of time, I mean, I started off traveling across Canada, and I took about seven months to do that. Uh, I lived in Hawaii for six months. Uh, I spent some time in Asia before uh, basing in Australia for almost a year and a half. Then I based in New Zealand for about nine months. Uh, conquered Europe a few times in there. Uh, lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years, uh, on and off, and most recently, I've spent the last three years in South America. Uh, two of those years, I was in Peru, apprenticing with a shaman. I, I, the sort of experiences that I've had around the world, I mean, that is a perfect example of how most of my travels were completely unpredictable 
and they're not planned in any way. Uh, I tend to follow my nose around the world. Uh, I don't choose my destinations. My destinations choose me, and they usually choose me in the form of a unique opportunity uh, to experience the world in a different way. Awesome. Uh, you know, you've obviously uh, talked a lot. Uh, tell us about some of your highlights. Uh, you mentioned in the last one, but uh, what was the sightseeing in countries? What were some of the, pardon me? Highlights. Ah, uh, so many highlights, of course, as you can imagine. Uh, but one of the things that I specialized in, uh, and, and I kind of fell into it fairly early into my travels, is, is finding various ways to get free accommodation around the world. Uh, because while I was developing my uh, online business, uh, I didn't have a huge amount of income to work with. Uh, I had a small income from the sale of my financial business, and that was what I basically learned to live on in the first couple of years of my travel. So in order to make that budget work, uh, I discovered all these amazing ways to get free accommodation around the world. You can volunteer uh, in a million different capacities. So I have volunteered in about 10 countries around the world, doing everything from milking goats to painting murals to designing marketing plans to running retreat centers and more. I even led Ecotreks on llamas in trade for accommodation. So every volunteer experience has been an amazing kind of cultural insight into the place that I'm living. It's instantly plugged me into a community of, of people and locals that, uh, that helped me to have an immersive experience. But then as I was developing my online business, the hours required for volunteering became a little bit too taxing for me. And that was when I discovered another form of free accommodation through house sitting. And this is, this is a form of free accommodation that is tailor-made for writers and digital nomads, um, in my opinion anyway, because it gives you the comfort of home, somebody else's home that is, uh, and it gives you lots of time and space to be able to, uh, to do your online work, and then when you're done your work for the day, you have a different country on your doorstep to explore. So at the moment, I'm just finishing up almost two months of house-sitting in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, other house-sitting highlights have included uh, six months on and off of house-sitting on the Caribbean island of Grenada, three months in Switzerland taking care of somebody's beautiful house just outside of Zurich and their alpine cottage, which was glorious. Uh, I've spent a few months house-sitting in Panama, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. There's a whole bunch of countries where I've house-sat and, again, had a really unique opportunity to experience a slice of local life uh, and also to save a pile of money and quite often stay in some absolutely beautiful accommodation. So these are some of the, the, although not necessarily specific highlights as in touristy sites, for me these have been some of the highlights of my, my travel career so far. Amazing. Uh, you know, I definitely agree with you about uh, those ways to save money. Uh, we have done a little bit of house sitting. We were just at a place where we actually were a little bit of dog sitting. <laughs> we had to walk the dog and we're not used to pets or something new. Uh, we're actually uh, getting sponsor stays too. So shout out to our host here. They're actually uh, allowing us to stay. We just arrived. Uh, give them a shout out here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, Hostels Columbia. So shout out to them for hosting us. Uh, also, but the flip side. Um, so we've talked about the highlights, uh, you know, up here. Tell us about the lowlights down here. What are some of your struggles and challenges over the last 10 years of continuous long-term travel? 
I, you know, to be quite honest, the struggles have been many, uh, and uh, it's not, it hasn't been the easiest lifestyle to live in the world, uh, and I've also had a lot of really outrageous things happen to me, uh, and in fact, actually, a lot of this is going to be the makings for a book um, uh, in, in the not-too-distant future, but even on my website, uh, on my homepage, I have a very popular post called Brace Yourself, Travel Isn't All Roses and Lollipops. And that post is actually a summary of, of all the crazy things that have happened to me, uh, which include, uh, but certainly are not limited to, uh, having my heart broken a few times along the way. Uh, I survived a near-fatal accident. Uh, I have survived uh, three uh, natural disasters. Uh, I have had two diseases, actually three, three diseases. Two of them were mosquito-borne. <laughs> Those are probably some of the bigger ones. I mean, I've had any number of encounters with the horrible creatures that have left various scars and wounds on me. Uh, and, uh, and also to experience some of the intangible challenges of this lifestyle, which include travel fatigue. Uh, and this is a real thing. This can be uh, and can be very problematic uh, if you can't catch it early enough and, and see the signs. Uh, loneliness, motion sickness, uh, you know, sometimes full-time travel especially, uh, and especially if you do it solo. I've done my travels a combination of solo and with people. Uh, but uh, especially if you're doing it solo and especially if you're doing it quickly, it can be a dizzying experience. Uh, and it's really necessary to put certain practices in place in order to stay grounded uh, and to continue to enjoy the lifestyle. So I have my moments. I have my moments where I'm like, oh, God, I really just want a home somewhere. And then, and then I have other moments where I'm really energized and inspired by the places that I'm visiting. Yeah, I think that's a very much a normal part of travel when you uh, get those moments of excitement when you want to go, 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 go. And then the other times where they're like, no more going. I just need to stay here. Uh, I need the uh, I need the coffee shop, the regular store. I need people that speak English. So I can definitely relate to you, um, uh, to some of those struggles. Uh, I'm curious to know, Nora, about the whole financial side of things. You left your financial career behind in Canada, um, and now you're obviously traveling in and obviously making income as well. What are the different revenue streams you have currently? So shortly into when I actually started traveling, I, I actually hadn't, I had no idea how long I would go for, where I would go, what I would do, or most importantly, how I would make money to keep going. Uh, so I was, uh, it wasn't until shortly after I started traveling uh, that I started a, a travel blog. And now this is back in 2006 when I started my travel blog. And uh, at that time, I mean, blogging wasn't even a thing. And the idea of making money with a blog was completely unheard of. Uh, so for me, like anybody, it was just a glorified travel journal. However, I uh, shortly into my travels, I did start to connect the dots that I could actually, with my laptop and an internet connection and, very, and my own lifelong propensity for the written word, I could actually make a living as a freelance writer. So from that moment on, I dedicated myself and my time to developing a career as a freelance writer. Uh, so uh, it, it actually worked very well hand-in-hand hand with my travel blog because uh, while I was developing my career as a freelance writer, the whole travel blogging industry kind of grew up around me and kind of took me with it. 
So, uh, and they, they really cross-pollinated very well. My travel blog was a way of showcasing my writing uh, and also a way of uh, providing, it was a very symbiotic relationship with the freelance uh, people that I, the publications that I was writing for because as my own blog and my own website gained popularity, I was able to bring them uh, some publicity and some readers that they might not otherwise have had. So these continue to be my main streams of income, my freelance writing, and then the income that I make through my website, uh, which will include, which includes um, affiliate sales, that's a big one, uh, a little bit of advertising revenue as well. Um, those, are, those are basically the main forms of income that I have. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned uh, freelance writing. Uh, so how do you find the publications? What kind of publications are you writing about uh, for? How long are the typical contracts? Is it one-offs or is it ongoing? So walk us through the freelance writing side of your income. So developing a freelance writing career, first and foremost, takes time and a lot of it and a lot of effort. Uh, so in the beginning, I was doing a lot of research. Uh, what does it take to become a freelance writer? How do I, you know, how do I approach publications? What is a what is a query? How do I, I compose a proper query to get noticed by editors around the world? Uh, so I did a lot of pitching and I sent a lot of queries and I really, and I worked hard and I was pitching both to online publications, which again, you know, the whole online industry was really still just getting started back in 2007. Uh, and, uh, and I was also print, pitching to print publications. Um, my first few breaks came mostly in the online realm. And it was re worked out really serendipitously because I was able to parlay my financial experience as a certified financial planner, uh, as well as my travel experience as a, as a lifestyle traveler. So I would write for travel publications about finance, and I would write for finance publications about travel. And the two married really nicely. So now I continue to write about travel, because that's what I do personal finance because you need money to travel and also lifestyle design for people like me who want to sell everything they own redesign their lives and their careers and and travel the world so I continue to write uh, in these ways uh, the good news for me now is I have been in the industry long enough that a few things have happened first of all I don't have to shake trees the way I used to in order to get gigs in fact Editors tend to approach me now, and you know, thank goodness I'm very lucky in that sense. Uh, I choose my gigs, uh, and I choose them carefully, uh, and I'm able to set my rates as well, which again is just a is a is a great gift given how hard I worked for how what little compensation in the beginning. Uh, I'm certainly seeing the rewards of, of tenacity and having stuck in this industry so long. Uh, so luckily, I'm able to do that. And secondly, when I do take a gig on, more often than not, it's a regular gig. So for example, uh, my current longest standing uh, freelance column is uh, with a, a publication called Credit Walk. Uh, and they are, it's a Canadian consumer uh, credit card and, and travel website, and I have a monthly column called Dear Nora, which is kind of like Dear Abby, except for travel and finance. And I answer reader questions every month uh, with, uh, with an article that will help people within the realm of both travel and personal finance. Uh, I've also started doing some articles for uh, a couple of other publications, uh, 
Uh, one is called Lux Group, uh, and I've just uh, written a few articles for them that are uh, soon to go online. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a really interesting adventure in uh, in in writing and being able to to craft my prose. Uh, and then also one of the things that it has ultimately led to is writing books. I've written three books so far, and like I said, I've got a fourth that is I keep talking about. I do need to make it happen at some point. It's going to be a really big one, so uh, so I have I have to eventually get there, but uh, one step at a time. Awesome. Uh, you know, you've covered the blog a little bit so far. You started the blog, and uh, you've obviously uh, been become quite successful as one of the forerunners, as one of the pioneers in travel blogging. Uh, so walk us through the journey in terms of what are the major topics and themes you write about. I know it's finances and travel, but uh, what are some of the kind of the underlying subcategories within the travel blog? So within my website, which is theprofessionalhobo.com, uh, there's a few different themes uh, that I work on. Uh, when I started my website, first of all, it was, a, it was on a blogger platform, and it was all free, and it was called Life Happens. Uh, as a way of as a short form of life happens when you're busy making plans and uh, and for me that was uh, the tagline was the adventures of a girl with no fixed address so simply it was a travel blog senseless it was simply whatever I'm doing wherever I'm doing it how I'm feeling and, and in the initial years really I was just developing my own personal style and, uh, and a lot of these early posts you know I'm going back and looking at some of these posts and I'm like Oof. Wow, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to get rid of some of these posts. <laughs> but, uh, but as the years went on, um, and I carved out my niche uh, in travel, and in personal finance, and in the finance of travel, uh, I, one of the things that I started doing out of, out of just personal interest was, I started tracking my expenses. Uh, and I started tracking my expenses because I wanted to be able to make sure that I was actually able to work within the budget that I had to be able to travel on. Uh, so I started that in 2010. And I was shocked to discover that uh, the amount of money that I had spent to travel full time was significantly less than any money that I'd ever spent to live in one place. Uh, and in 2010 and 2011, respectively, my, my annual expenses were within $400 of one another. And this was a, without me trying. This was simply me tracking my expenses. I, I went where I wanted. I did what I wanted to do. But just tracking my expenses in both years, I actually managed to spend $17,000. And like, like I said, it was within $400 of one another. Uh, and this was, you know, far from scrimping and saving as well. You know, I was, I was, like I said, I did what I wanted to do where I wanted to do it. And uh, so that was when I realized, hold on, I think I've stumbled on something really interesting. And this is something that people want to know. How much does it actually cost to travel full time? So from that year on, I started publishing annual reports of my, both my income and its sources as well as my expenses. Every penny, uh, including all my business expenses, my insurance expenses, and my travel expenses. And, uh, and every year, it's been very interesting to see from 2010 to now how my, my income and my expenses have gone up and down proportionately. And I've always been able to do it in a financially sustainable way. I think one year I was maybe $1,000 over in expenses. Uh, but most other years, I spend less than I earn. And uh, so that's a prominent feature on my website, are these annual reports of my, my income and my expenses. 
another element of my website is uh, a vlog. Uh, I have been I've been on and off with the whole video thing for years. I mean, I I had a YouTube channel and was making videos again long before YouTube was even a thing. Uh, and then I stopped uh, because, of course, making videos can be a lot of work. But I've recently gotten back into it uh, because I have a love of um, uh, I have a love of of being able to to perform, I guess, uh, to to entertain people as well as to educate people. So uh, every week I come out with a new vlog episode. Uh, of uh, something to do, uh, something, ex some crazy adventure I've had, or answering a reader question, talking about travel packing, travel safety, or going to the robot restaurant in Japan. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of everything there. Uh, I also, of course, can continue to talk about my cultural insights as to uh, of the places that I'm visiting. Uh, I've had some really interesting experiences here in Japan that have been, quite frankly, disturbing. <laughs> So uh, my most recent post that I published a few days ago is called Why I Could Never Live in Japan. And uh, it, it's a pretty hard-hitting, I don't mince my words in this post. Um, and it doesn't mean I hate Japan, but it does mean one of the things that I do when I live in a country around the world is I make a lot of, uh, I dig deep. I dig deep into the culture. I talk to people. I talk to locals. I observe a lot. As a writer, that's kind of what I do. Um, and then I also do a lot of reading. And in so doing, I connect a lot of dots. Uh, and I'm able to make cultural observations uh, and insights that might be uh, new to people who have never visited the country. So I provide those cultural insights uh, to my readers on my website. So those are probably the main the main categories. I also have, of course, I also have a financial case study series where every other week I interview another digital nomad or full-time traveler who makes their money online. I profile their lifestyle, I profile their career, how much money they earn, etc. Sounds like an amazing interview series. I actually I'm gonna uh, ask for you for some recommendations of people to interview because I'm always looking to interview more digital nomads myself. Um, so Nora, um, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of becoming a professional hobo just like you? You have already had 10 years of experience. There might be someone in your hometown of Toronto, my hometown of Vancouver, or somewhere else around the world, and they're thinking of selling it all, traveling the world. What would you tell that person besides, besides, besides the Nike Just Do It slogan? Anything else you would tell them? Yeah, of course. Everyone's first bit of advice is just do it. You'll figure it out when you go. Yeah, yeah sure. Absolutely. But that, that's kind of fluffy advice. Um, yeah, well, I mean, my whole website, come visit theprofessionalhobo.com because I will help you prepare your life for full-time travel. Uh, okay, plug's done. Uh, lots of different things. I mean, I, I am actually in the process uh, of developing a course that actually will take people through the logistical preparations of selling everything you own, sorting out a mailing address, trying to figure out the stuff that you need, what you need to bring, what you need to pack, how do you pay your bills, how do you follow your taxes, how do you manage your bank accounts, how do you, so the, all the logistics, there's a lot of logistics, uh, and I, because there wasn't really anybody doing what I was doing when I started doing this, or because at least there wasn't anybody writing about it, I had to figure all this stuff out the hard way. And I hit every bump on the learning curve that you can imagine. So now one of the things that I'm committed to is helping other people smoothly and effectively uh, move from having a full-time job and a home 
to having the lifestyle that they want, whether that is, is, is full-time travel or just long-term travel, if you want to take a sabbatical, if you want to. So um, there's a lot of different things that you can do. I mean, first of all, you've got to get your financial house in order. Make sure, you know, take care of your debts. Make sure that your, your finances are relatively automated before you leave. Uh, then, of course, there's also the financially sustainable travel is twofold. There's two things that you need to be aware of. One is bringing in money, some sort of income. So what are you going to do for money? Are you going to have a digital, are you going to have your own business? Uh, are you going to telecommute for your boss? Uh, are you going to telecommute for another company? Are you going to freelance? Are you going to get jobs on the ground, as in like teaching English or being a dive master or, you know, leading eco tracks on llamas? Uh, what are you going to do for money? Uh, and then the second component is uh, how are you going to spend that money? So depending on the income you're earning, that will dictate what sort of travels you're going to do and where. Uh, obviously, one of my big specialties is how to get free accommodation around the world. I've even written a book about it. Uh, so it's a great way to save a, a pile of money if your income isn't super high and live in a lot of places around the world that you might not otherwise afford to be living in. So uh, certainly there's a lot of things to think about. Uh, one of my primary pieces of advice uh, would be to figure out if you're setting, if you're setting up an online business, uh, such as a blog or a website, or freelance writing or vlogging, whatever the case is, uh, my advice is to get the foundations of your business well established before you start traveling. Uh, and this is my advice because I didn't do that. Uh, I started building my business after I started traveling and learning the, the ropes of travel and carving out my personal travel style simultaneous to working an online business and developing an online business, which takes a lot of time, was a very, very difficult juggling act to do. So I highly recommend, even if you're working a full-time job, start with your online business, get in there part-time, start establishing some form of income that will eventually increase and, and support you as you travel full-time. That is solid advice. Uh, you know, I, I love the fact that uh, you, you, you're very practical in what you're saying too. It's not just fluffy like you said. Uh, and it's um, very much experientially based from your, you know, 10 years and also from obviously your financial planning background. And I think uh, you're pretty much the first and only financial planner who's now a full-time traveler. We've interviewed over 190 episodes now, closing into 200. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely uh, amazing what you've done. Uh, what I'm interested in, Nora, is uh, your vision forward. Uh, here we are in August. Uh, actually, it's August 1st, 2017. You've traveled for 10 years. What is your vision going forward in terms of the next few months, the next few years, and beyond? You know, so many of the experiences that I've had in the last 10 years have been experiences that I could not possibly have predicted. Uh, and, uh, and although I do believe that having a plan is good because, uh, well, listen, you've got to plan your life out. No one else is going to do it for you. By the same token, I also believe firmly that it is really necessary, especially with this lifestyle, to remain open to what possibilities may come that I may have no idea uh, are, are around the corner. So uh, in the last few years, I have, to be perfectly honest, I have tired of traveling all the time. Uh, I've had a couple of shots of having home bases, and they've been really nice. 
Uh, and my most recent home base was in Peru. I actually had my own house that, uh, and I had a completely different lifestyle direction that I was moving in, and I was really happy with that. Uh, and unfortunately, due to a set of circumstances that I won't go into here, that fell apart. And with that, I kind of very reluctantly hit the road again. No, it hasn't been nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, I've been on since I left Peru about uh, uh, almost a year and a half ago. Uh, and I've since uh, covered off a variety of countries, again, in my standard style of traveling slowly and, and, uh, and experiencing the world in different ways. Um, how much longer am I going to keep doing this? I don't know. It, it depends on, on where the next, there's a part of me that says I'm kind of traveling now in search of home. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a part of me that is, is interested and curious more than anything else as to what that next place is going to be that resonates with me enough to say, you know what, I want to stay here for a while. And when I say I'm searching for home, it doesn't have to be home forever. One of the things that I've learned in the last 10 years is that destiny is a direction. It's not a final place to arrive. So I, I don't really feel that there needs to be a, a I'm going to get here and this is going to be it. Uh, no, I'm going to get here and that's going to be good for as long as it's good for. And I continue to move through life this way. Uh, so I'm waiting for the next adventure. Uh, in a few days I'm going to be moving to Bali uh, where I'm going to try my hand at co-working. For the first time in 10 years I have never actually done co-working with, with fellow or lived in a place where digital nomads live. Uh, I have consistently always been either you know on my own or with a, a local community or partners. I've never kept company with a whole bunch of digital nomads. So Bali is going to be my first chance to do this. I'm really hoping that I'm going to be inspired by the people that I meet, that I'm going to find collaboration opportunities and possibly some, some new destinations to explore that I hadn't previously thought of. Uh, but you know what? Who knows? By the same token, I could actually run screaming from the whole thing and decide that I don't like digital nomads, <laughs> even though I am one. Um, let's just see. Uh, you know, one of the... the a beautiful expression that, of course, most people who speak English know is que sera, sera. Uh, But, of course, as you would also know in being in South American, that is actually Spanish for whatever will be, will be. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to continuing to live my life in that way. Yes, uh, I am here in Medellin, Colombia, and I know that expression, not from here, but from back in Canada, uh, que sera, sera, whatever will be, whatever will be. And you have to take it with a grain of salt. You can't, you know, literally have a grain of salt here, funny enough. Uh, you can't take uh, life too seriously, you can't sweat the small stuff, and you got to roll with the punches. Uh, so Nora, if people wanted to connect with you, find out more, follow the professional Hobie's next steps to Bali and beyond, how can they do that? Well, certainly, first and foremost, you can visit me on my website, which is just freshly newly redesigned, by the way, it's been less than a week live. Uh, and my website is theprofessionalhobo.com. Uh, and uh, on my website, you'll also see all the uh, social sites that I participate on, which include uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And check out my YouTube uh, channel, which is uh, Nora Blue Skies, uh, and, uh, and see some of the adventures that I've been having. 
and also too on my website you can see the books that I've written which include how to get free accommodation around the world uh, as well as my latest book which is called working on the road the unconventional guide to full-time freedom awesome well thanks again Nora you know you've been one of our most passionate and one of our most practical and one of our most eloquent guests on the show so really appreciate your time today from live from Tokyo, Japan. Definitely wish you the best as you head over there to Bali, Indonesia, and looking forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you so much, Ricky. It's been a real pleasure. It has been a great pleasure indeed. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we interviewed the professional hobo herself. Uh, you know, uh, she's a wealth of info, as you've been able to tell by this interview. Make sure you pick her brain, ask her some questions, uh, read her blog, buy her book, or buy her books, plural, and uh, follow her on social media. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our episode. Uh, make sure you follow us at digitalnomadmastery.com, and we're Digital Nomad Mastery across the web on YouTube, where, um, same thing, and also um, leave us a comment, subscribe to us on YouTube, and on iTunes, uh, same thing, uh, Digital Nomad Mastery. Uh, you can actually listen to us on the road, no matter where you are in the world, and you can actually watch us as well if you like the video version better. And uh, last thing is, we actually have a very active and an engaged Facebook community. So join our group, it's called Digital Nomad Mastery Community. We absolutely love building community amongst fellow hobos, fellow nomads, fellow world travelers, and fellow wannabes, fellow aspiring world travelers. So ask any questions you want in there. They are, there's no such thing as a stupid question. So thanks again, Nora, and uh, happy travels. Thank you very much. Same to you. Happy travels, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode.